Welcome to the On the Edge podcast with your host, Scott Groves. So, so I'll go to you, man. What's a, what's an ism that sticks um, in your mind when you're rolling? Like, oh, I just got to get back to this position or this thought process, and I'm going to be good, even if I think I'm in a he, bad spot. He has one that's kind of like um, Dean Lister's, um, John Donaher's, like, why would you ignore 50% of the human body? One time he told me, I remember, I forgot exactly what position I was in, but I was using both of my feet and one of my hands. I was grabbing on with my hand, I was grabbing on one of the arms, and I was using both of my legs in some sort of guard type of position. And then one of my hands was just chilling, post like just hanging out on the mat. And he was like, why would you... Why would you um, why would you waste twenty five percent of your body? Like your arm is not doing anything. One of um, that's twenty five percent of your uh, effectiveness being wasted, right? So you should always have a task. That's what really what he said too, and this is the one that stuck with me. Is you should always have a task for both of your arm, for all of your limbs, for both of your hands and both of your legs, and not only both of your arms and both of your legs, but your head, right? You should always have a task for every placement on um, for every piece of your body and they should all be working towards you and trying to achieve a good goal right so you every single part of your body should be doing something even if it's doing something small like if you're in full mount just for the easiest thing for full mount a lot of the times people are doing nothing with their hands their hands are floating right it's better to put your hands on the person put your hand on their face put your hand on their shoulders put your hand on their chest put your hands on their cheeks put your hands down on them very commonly people put their hands down on the mat if my hands are down on the mat and i'm in full mount my arms have some weight to them so if my hands are on the floor and my head is over you that means there's weight on the mat and not on you if i would just posture up and place my hands onto you now my hands aren't doing that much more it's not like crazy more effective putting them on you opposed to the four but it's a little bit more effective yeah it's a couple pounds of extra weight there's a couple more pounds on you dude and now when you try and sit up i can push your face i can push your shoulders i can grab your arms i can start pinning your hands i can use my hands to start um, setting things up and start being more effective so just trying to not, not not have dead body parts, you know what I mean? Not have wasted yeah. wasted um, effectiveness. If you're not using one of your arms, that's like 20% of your body, you know? It's probably like 20, 20, 20, 20, and then your head's like 10. Yeah. You know? I, I've noticed this, uh, you know, rolling a little bit with you. Uh, that, how how that percentage I, didn't add up, but it's okay. No, no, I, I got it. I got it. <laughs> uh, when, when I started with my buddy Jeff Martin, the black belt down in L.A., who gave me like my first 50 lessons or whatever, uh, I noticed it with him. He's probably built like you, 150 pounds, somewhere in there, 160 pounds, pretty like lanky but strong guy. And it's like you roll with somebody who's 150 pounds, who's a white belt, it, it feels like my six-year-old Gabriel laying on top of you. Blue belt, they feel like 150 pounds. Purple belt, they feel like 170 pounds. By the time you get to the black belt level, somehow that placement of that weight, all of a sudden a 140-pound dude on feels top real of it feels like 300 pounds. Yeah. And you're like, it's the same body type. It's the same everything. But that that weight distribution, man, of just like, yep. all right, now they're laying their 10-pound head on you. Now they've got a hand on your chest. Now they're gripping you in a way where like all their weight is in just like three little square inches of your uh -huh. nerve center like on your sternum. It's a whole different, like, I, I almost feel like, forget the moves, forget the skill or the ability of their teaching. Maybe a black belt is just somebody who can double their weight. <laughs> like, like if you can double your weight with pressure, that's a pretty amazing skill. Yeah. My goal is to feel like, you know, those, uh, the asphalt, um, what do they call them? Fuck, 
I can't remember the name. Big rolly wheel. They flatten out asphalt. Right? Yeah. Okay. That like steamroller thing. Yeah. My goal is to feel like that. Like you are just that tube of fucking toothpaste, and I'm just squeezing. Yeah, bro. Mission all accomplished. The pressure. That's <laughs> the that's the goal. Every time in my head, I picture when I I don't do it obviously to small white belts uh, or anything. Like I'll play around with them, and typically I pull guard every single round. But my goal when I get on top is to feel like that. Like, that's how I want to feel. I have that picture in my mind. I just want you to feel like you're getting smeared into the mat and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, which is such, like, just as a man, it's such a degrading feeling. Like, going back to your original thing of, you know, uh, you know, you walk into the mat, into the into the gym as a white belt and you think you're really badass. I remember reading something else in some article. I read too much. Um, I read some other article where, like, on average, a man's going to be in the 50 percentile, right? But there's like three things all men think they're in the 90th percentile of. Fighting, fucking, and driving. And it's like every man is just like, I'm a great driver. I'm a beast in bed. Oh, yeah, dude. I have no formal training, but I could beat that guy's ass. Like this is like 90% of dudes think they're in the 90 percentile, which is actually mathematically impossible. So if you've, <laughs> if you've never taken any type of combat class, boxing, Muay Thai, jiu-jitsu, and you think you're in the 90 percentile of defending yourself, go take one jiu-jitsu class and you'll have like an ugly eye-opening <laughs> Like soul crushing experience. It's it's just it's just degrading. You'll, you'll realize you're in the bottom ten percent. <laughs> yeah, like. exactly. It's so discouraging. I'm in the. Uh, I was gonna say I uh, I don't care about one of those, so I must make my percentages go up to the two I do care about. Right? Yeah, yeah. I don't care about cars. <laughs> you, I care about, hate, you drive a 1995 bro, Saturn, I think. I, I, 2007. 2007. Put some, put some respect, brother. I was oh, going to say, people, I drive up, and then other people my age are like, oh, you drive a shitbox. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I don't give a fuck what I drive, bro. <laughs> I the fact that you care about your car makes me hate you. <laughs> makes me absolutely hate you straight <laughs> off the back. The fact that you think you're better than me, and that I'm, you, your first words to me upon initially meeting you is, oh, you drive a shitbox. Oh, you're a piece of shit. Dude, right? my first like, car you was You care a about your car? Like, oh, man, I hate people that care about their cars, bro. I, I like, feel like yeah, one day... Jordan Spies might be it. that guy like living on the side of the road is like a guru, like pay me $5 for advice and then let's roll. <laughs> like, I just feel like you could be this, like this, like homeless guru where you're just sitting there. It's and definitely a, a near few, uh, a possible possibility <laughs> for my future, bro. Homeless guru, pay me $5 and let's roll. That's definitely a possibility. You know, we got a spare let's hope here, not. Bro. Got let's spare hope not, brother. I, I was going <laughs> to say like, I, I'm with Jordan. Like there, I don't really give a shit about cars. However, I just thought about it, and I'm pretty sure my truck that I drive is older than you. Like, it's pretty funny. I have a 95 Ford Ranger. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's older than you. Like, I bought it off an old farmer in Nebraska who had been sitting in his barn for 16 years. I love this. So when I, <laughs> when I bought it, when I came back from Korea, it only had 72,000 miles on it, and it's 26-year-old truck. So, but otherwise I'm, I'm with Jordan. Like, I don't give a fuck what I drive. Like it gets me to point A and point B. Although now having owned a truck, I never owned a truck before I drove trucks. You know, everyone in Nebraska has a truck, but I didn't have one. Um, my parents didn't have one. They had SUVs and everything. Now that I've owned a truck, I can never own a car as my primary vehicle again. Like when I moved back, I made all. 90% of my money just by the fact that I owned a truck. Um, 
And so I you can said, never go back. You said move back. What did you go to Korea for, by the way? Did you go to Korea for a year and a half for jujitsu? Mm -hmm. uh, no, actually, um, that was actually that was a step back for my jujitsu. Uh, and upon initial inspection, because I moved to. If anyone's ever watched the show Squid Game, this is where you might know the reference. I moved to Jeju Island off the southern coast of South Korea. Um, my my fiancé and I decided I, I was a journeyman in the union I worked at, which meant I could take withdrawals. I could leave the union in good standing. So like I mentioned, anytime I want, I can go back and go work for the union again. Um, but we decided we don't have any fucking kids right now. Like, I don't, we don't have to stay anywhere, and neither one of us had ever been to Asia, and she has been a professional tutor in the past uh, for college kids, high school kids, and everything, and she, she came up to me one day, and she's like, do you want to just move to Asia and teach English for, like, a year? And I was at a point, I was like, yeah, fuck it, why not, like... Let's go do it. So we took mm -hmm. this online class. Um, I think it was like maybe 12 weeks long, and it cost about a 1000 bucks. Um, you, you take the class to learn kind of the principles of teaching and everything, which also helped for jujitsu a lot. Um, so we took this class, had to go do in-person teaching at a English as a Second Language school here in vegas and the woman i don't think she'll ever watch this uh, <laughs> or hear this but natasha i fucking love you she was this old russian woman and i grew up around a lot of eastern europeans um like russians ukrainians everything like that and so i have a soft spot in my heart for their cold hearts um but i love this woman to death because she was teaching english to other people who English would be their second language and English was her second language. Amazing. And she had been doing it professionally for like 26 years. So she was amazing. But every like hour she'd be like, all right, we're going to take a break. And we would do like eight hour days with her and she'd go out and smoke Virginia slims and we'd go talk with her. Fucking love that woman. Um, so yeah, we decided just fuck it. Let's move to South Korea and uh, go teach English. And I was a kindergarten English teacher and my fiance taught um, high school and middle school age kids. She preferred the older kids. I'm like, these young kids, all their teachers currently are all women. They offered me the job because like I was already the art and music teacher for the kindergarten kids and the kindergarten kids love me because to them, I'm a giant jungle gym. Like, right, they're right. like, I can just jump on this guy and like climb on his arms and whatever. Um, they're like crazy giant Americans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so they asked me after a couple months in, they're like, hey, the old, you know, um, the old kindergarten teacher, her contract's up. She's leaving. Like, do you want to move to teaching kindergarten? at the school instead of at the time I had like a mixed schedule and I was like, I fucking hate these middle school kids. So yes, like I will go teach the kindergarten kids cause oh they're fun. Like, no, they're not, not at all. Well, like, that's like the seventh circle of hell to me teaching a oh, bunch of other yeah. people's kids. I, I barely have the patience to teach my own kid. I, mean, I, I <laughs> teaching it, a, being a kid's instructor is really hard. Here's the thing. I, I don't, it, I, I don't really like, teaching kids jujitsu classes. Well, 
Hmm. Here's the thing. I would enjoy it. I told actually Derek today. Derek was subbing for Yaz because Yaz is out of town. He's one of the kids instructors at 10th Planet Las Vegas. And I told Derek, children are like velociraptors from Jurassic Park, right? So when you see a substitute teacher in there, the children, they don't even mean to do it, but they have to test the fence. They've got to see what can I get away with that I can't get away with with my normal the normal person that's here, right? So they're like the velociraptors in Jurassic Park. If you remember totally, the first movie, totally. they're just always testing the fence. Like, where's the fence weak? So, like, little kids especially, they're always testing the boundaries. Like, what can I get away with with this new person here? That's why everyone remembers, even if you were a good kid in school, when the sub was there, you was the best. were a fucking... Was the best. You were a shithead. And it wasn't even intentional. It's just little kids... Human have nature, to, man. They have to test those boundaries, and they have to figure it out. So if you can kind of establish it from the beginning and you're their regular teacher, you can get into a rhythm and get a good relationship with the kids and everything. Substitute teaching for little kids is hell. Like, it's terrible because, again, they're all, even the best-behaved kids. You're just a glorified babysitter, essentially. It, it, even the best-behaved kids are just testing the fence. Yeah. And you, I think once you understand that, a lot of their behavior is more like, okay, I get why you're doing it. And um, But I, enjoy, I enjoyed teaching the little kids, like, because I was their homeroom teacher. I taught um, my main class. They were... What would that be in like American years? Because Korean birthdays are different than American birthdays. It's like a year off. So in American age, they were probably seven, six and seven. And then my little kid class that I was the co-teacher for, these kids were three and four. Oh, it's brutal. Sounds and miserable to me. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it overall. Like there was a lot of stress to it and sometimes it was frustrating, but... Anything's better than middle school kids. Middle school kids mm -hmm. they're the worst. Are the fucking worst. Yeah, like I think I think I get down with the middle school kids. I could like I could somehow do some Jedi mind tricks. I could reason with them. I could maybe still intimidate them physically. Little. I was going to say, the only way I can teach children is because I'm a jiu-jitsu instructor. I'm allowed to strangle them. Yeah. I strangle them in front of their parents. Yeah, that's and awesome. I, I also wrist lock them. I do Aikido wrist locks on them. I throw them <laughs> to the floor by their little baby wrists with one hand. Sometimes they standing tap, and it brings me joy. It just by, brings me by such By the way, like the, only, the only move that I feel very proficient in because of my semi-wrestling background is like basically getting on side control. And then manipulating people until they give up the wrist and I wrist lock them. And people get so mad. Bro. Oh, wrist locks are the they best. Get, they get so mad when I'm laying on top of them and they think I'm going for something really intricate. And then I just bend their wrist over. That's like my only it's high percentage submission. And people get fucking pissed. I, oh, yeah. I was going to say there's, there's wrist locks. Toe holds are very much that way as well. And then I am a big fan. I'm starting the movement. It's been started, but I'm an advocate of it. Make ankle locks great again. Um, I love ankle locks. Uh, oh, like heel hooks are great, but um, ankle locks. If you accidentally injure someone in the gym yeah, while exactly. you're rolling, an ankle lock, even a really well applied one, unless, I don't have to feel bad. Unless you have a freak accident where you snap their shin bone, which you have to be way bigger than them generally to do. An ankle lock. If you get a pop and something, it's all good fucks up like max they're out for two weeks right yeah 
if I get a heel hook on you and like you twist the wrong way, I don't even have to be applying it hard, but you just twist the wrong yep. way, I might fuck up your knee for like a year. Or like, life. Or or life, yeah. So like for me, knowing heel hooks is super important, but like I'd rather get an ankle lock on most people, unless like I'm rolling with someone like Jordan or I was someone else. Say, put me in an ankle lock, please, Pat. Yeah, I will I, let my shit break, bro. I, I, I don't I'm, give one fuck, bro. I, I know. You think yeah, I Jordan, care about my foot? Jordan's dude? That's a psycho, like, bro. <laughs> Jordan really wants like like we. I, I was taking a private lesson with Jordan, and he's like, you know, giving me the move, right? And then he's like, no, I'm fine. And and it was to the it was to the bending point where like I was uncomfortable in a training setting. I'm like, no, dude, that doesn't feel good for me, like. <laughs> God forbid I like I'm fall like, no, the Scott, wrong I'm way. Good. I can't good, manipulate brother. my fat ass or something. Like I'm gonna feel <laughs> horrible if I injure you. And you're like, bro, you're not gonna injure me. I'm like, ah, just, which is weird because in jujitsu, like 90% of the moves is you're trying to break somebody's neck, and like that can make them a quadriplegic. But there's like this weird additional layer of awkwardness dealing with people's ankles and knees. I don't know why. Well, it comes from the Brazilians, brother. Yeah, well, it comes from, the, I, I from think, the Gracies. I think that's part of it. And then like. Um, for, for me, if I, if I fuck up your leg, especially like I'd feel bad if you work some kind of manual labor job, you're on your feet all the time. If I fuck up your leg, I might be fucking up your livelihood. Yeah. Obviously the neck. Not this, me. I'm on a computer. You can do whatever you want. Well, same, same with Don't like, fuck up my jaw. Do I talk for a living? <laughs> well, this is why I like, I, I say anything below the eyes is the neck, but when we're in the training setting, I'm not trying to face crank you. Like, I want a clean choke. Even if I don't get a tap out of the round, I would rather not just crank your fucking jaw and risk breaking your jaw because that would be terrible. But it's the, it's the same with the legs. Like, I don't know what everyone does for a living. I would rather let go of something, especially in a training atmosphere. If we're competing, fuck you. I'll, I'll break your shit. Like, mm. I don't care about you. Um, like... I hope you recover afterwards, but in that setting, the responsibility is on you to not get to broken. Fast. Yeah, yeah. So, so talk about this, Jordan, because like you're really good at articulating this. You know, don't let anybody touch my face. Keep your hips away, as if the person's trying to punch you, even yes. though you can't punch in yes. jujitsu. Like you're, you're probably, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you some, some credit here. You're probably one of the best instructors, and I've, I don't know, I've maybe taken a bunch of private lessons with a half dozen people. I've taken a bunch of classes around California, Arizona, Nevada when I trained for work. You're the best person as far as I've experienced relating it back to like, no man, this is real combat. Like in the moment when you're going through like your, you know, technical uh, skill practice, think about if this human being was trying to punch me in the face, right? Or snap my neck, what, yes. my, what would my response be? And exactly. you're, you're really good at, at, at explaining body position in relation to assume this guy's trying to stab you in the face with a knife. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a really good thought. I wouldn't probably just, like, roll my head into his fist. If, if he has a knife, then you better hope you know the other martial art, parkour. <laughs> parkour, run real fast, yeah. All right. Charge a gun, run from that's, a knife. That's the other thing. Parkour is a martial art. A lot of people don't realize that. Parkour is the art of flight. The same way jujitsu and karate is the art of fight, well, what is your response when you when you're in when you're at face with a fight, right? It's fight or flight. Right. You if you fight, I'll fight you every single day of the week. If it's like I don't see no knife or no gun, but the moment you pull that knife and gun out, you're gonna see my parkour that I used to know when I was 14, bro. I'm gonna be out. <laughs> I'm gonna be gone. 
right? You're flipping over tables <laughs> and shit straight out of as, Jackie Chan. Dude, I'm going to be on the buildings, bro. You're not going to know how I got up there, man. You're not going to be able to catch me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This is the best interview ever. <laughs> Um, so yeah, like I, like I said, history is my favorite subject, man. And so, and also I started training MMA and jujitsu. I started training jujitsu with regards of being an MMA fighter. I never wanted to get good at jujitsu in the beginning. Bro. Are, are you still fighting at all? Is that, I at just all on your now started training MMA again with the team this week, bro. My first this day week. back was Tuesday, bro. I sparred with the, at 9am a little bit and I, well, it's not really sparring. We do like touch sparring. It's not real sparring, but I went to the 9am MMA practice on Tuesday. I'm going to be there again tomorrow morning. And I'm gonna start sparring with the pros again soon, but I want to like work my fit ins and work my just work moving around offensively, like right. doing MMA again before I go back into fighting with the with the savages. You know what I mean? Because in 2019, I was sparring with the pro team over at Extreme Couture, and I was sparring over at the UFCPI. So I'm sparring with dudes like Thomas Almeida, like Gary um, Gary Saint Lion, who's in One FC. Like I'm sparring with like killers you know what i mean yeah it and doesn't sound fun these dudes aren't taking it easy on me either bro they're in camp yeah. they're trying to prepare for their fight you think they give a fuck about me Mo like no they're no. they're trying to get better themselves you know right. so um i know what the level of training is like and so it's a different caliber of jujitsu so i'm just trying to prepare my body and my my reaction time before i go and get some hard sparring rounds but yeah i want to have a fight before the year is over, hopefully in December, you know, knock on wood, hopefully I can get one in December. But even if I don't get one in December, it's all good. Everything will come in time. I'm just trying to get as many fights as possible. But when I do fight again, I'm going to make sure that I'm ready. Because yeah. when I fought in 2019, if you watch any of my fights from 2019, it's like I, I, I <laughs> it's like I'm watching a stranger fight, dude. I'm like, who is that guy? Like, right. I, that's not how I fight that's not how I want to fight. That's not how I spar. That's not, it's not me, man. But there was a bunch of, you know, not to go back into my woe is me type thing. But in 2019, it was a real tough year for me mentally. I was all lost, lost, like probably the most lost I had felt since before I started training MMA. Like when I was like waking up, throwing up and right. having anxiety and shit. I was like feeling almost like that in 2019. Just real, real lost for different reasons. And I was like, I felt like I was, I was almost having like a midlife crisis because I was approaching 25 and I was like, oh my God, uh, uh, I'm not a professional fighter yet. I'm getting old. I'm still poor. Like if I don't fight MMA now, I'm not going to be able to fight MMA. I have to fight MMA, whether I'm ready or not, or whether I, you know, I, I have to fight MMA. I was like, right. I was like fighting out of like in the worst possible mental headspace. And so I just looked, looked really bad, honestly, in my first couple fights. And so when I do come back in MMA, I want to be completely confident that I'm mentally ready and I'm physically ready and that when I come, I'm just going to absolutely hurt somebody within a matter of seconds. Like, I'm just going to well, come in there and really fuck somebody up. Like, the, I feel bad for the first guy they give me for the amateur fight again. Th this is an interesting dilemma, right? Because it's like, theoretically, all the money's in boxing. And then you and then UFC exactly. comes and then UFC comes along and they're like, oh, okay, we we have a proof of concept where you can make money in in MMA. And then like Gordon Ryan comes along and they're like, oh, well, now we have proof of concept that you can make real money in no gi jujitsu. If you're Gordon Ryan, bro, like it's yeah. it's it's it, it, the no gi scene is coming. The no gi yeah. scene is coming. Give the no gi scene. Say that again on this podcast in ten years, then you're gonna be able to be like, okay, you can actually make a living. But how many people are Gordon Ryan? 
Yeah. One. How many people one. was one? Exactly. Which is so weird, dude, because like I, I know I'm kind of like a fanboy of jujitsu right now, and maybe I'm I'm getting into it at, at the exact perfect time because for one person to be so much more dominant than it's the so entire field, it just it doesn't even make rational sense, right? And for people that don't know who Gordon Ryan is, look him up. He's kind of this really brash, cocky, like Allen Iverson type character in the jujitsu world, but he's Allen Iverson who's better than Kobe, Jordan, like LeBron. Gonna, he's like, not it just like doesn't a, make any fucking sense. He's not like a Michael Jordan type compar- like comparison because, I mean, I'm not even a sports fan, but I know that Michael Jordan is compared to Kobe, is compared to LeBron, is like the people make comparisons, and like whether people agree with that or not, there is people that do agree with it. Right. There is no comparison to Gordon Ryan. Yeah. There's never been anybody that's done what Gordon's done. There's never been a Gordon. There's no, there, there is no comparison to this guy. The level of domination that this guy is doing to the sport has never been done in another sport before. No, for sure. I even don't, Serena, I, at least not that I know of, bro. Exactly. Serena Williams, Serena Williams who, Tiger Woods. Not like Gordon Ryan, like, They bro. still lost sometimes. That's not like, yeah, yeah bro. It's not, like, it's not what Gordon's doing, man. Yeah. What Gordon's doing is un, it's uh, otherworldly, dude. It doesn't make I any think, sense. Chris, you're going to have to look this up. I think Tiger Woods has won. 13 or 14 PGA tours the the equivalency for what Gordon Ryan has done in the jiu-jitsu world is if Tiger Woods went out and won every single PGA tour like all 12 of them a year for like 82 he's won 82 oh my god I didn't know he's won 82 PGA events Jesus man what a beast and (laughs) he's tied with somebody named Sam Sneed for the most wins Uh, look up how many PGA tours there are a a year because Gordon is like he's just doing something that's like it's it's on that Tiger Woods Serena level but to your point I could sit here all day long and argue with somebody about why Kobe is better than Jordan because Jordan played in the one-on-one era. Exactly. And Kobe played in the fucking zone defense era where like two, three, four people were guarding him every day. So like we could have an honest debate. There's 48 per year. There's 48 per year. Okay. Um, Yeah. So, so we could have an honest debate about why Kobe is better than Jordan or LeBron's better than Kobe, but nobody can argue with this Gordon Ryan thing. It's just, it just doesn't make sense. Even the people who hate him, they admit that he's the best. Yeah. And I a did, lot of people hate him. I just want to like point out not to continue the fanboying for Gordon Ryan. Although I'm a huge fan, I study his shit a lot because obviously he's doing something really well. Um, Tiger Woods won 82, 82 events. Yeah, right. And, and there's, there's 48, 48 a year. year. So even if he had won two years consecutively and won, what would that be? 96. Yeah. If he had won two years consecutively. Gordon Ryan hasn't lost a match in, I think it's been like it's four been like, years. It's been longer than that. Bro. Like his it's last crazy. technical loss was to Vinny Magalayish, and it was a decision, I believe, for, I don't remember the promotion, but he, he lost, it was either decision or points or something like that. Um, he lost to Vinny Magalayish, but that was like at least four years ago. And he hasn't lost since. You know it's his so life is is jujitsu. When you on Wikipedia, I'll read the entire personal life section. Ryan is also the older brother of Nikki Ryan, another successful submission yep. grappler. Yeah, that's his whole personal life. That's personal and, life. And by the way, his girlfriend, a successful su- successful submission grappler. So it's like the, the every everything in his life. It's just it's just so weird how successful he's been. But the, the genesis of the question was, you know, you have this dilemma. Andy Varela, our, our, our coach and friend, has this dilemma. It's like, well, do you just become the best possible amazing jiu-jitsu practitioner you can in no gi? Or 
do for, you know, for your own personal um, wealth and well-being, do you have to go the MMA route and be like, all right, man, I got to get back to hitting the pads and I got to do some Muay Thai classes and I got to, I got to train with these UFC fighters. Like, is that, is that the, is that the only route in this current age for most jujitsu practitioners to make a living? What do you consider a living? Uh, you know, I think there's that Maslow hierarchies of needs. They always do this like survey where anything How much over money are you wanting a year. Yeah. Yeah. Like any, anything over 78,000 or there's some number that gets thrown out in the 60, 70,000 range. It's like, all right, it's $60,000 a year. You can like own a house. You can have a car. You if can pay your making, rent. If you're making $40,000 a year doing jujitsu, you're rich. Oh, that's so sad. Hey, well, I'll speak a little bit on this point because there's a little bit of a difference and, um, Gordon Ryan, what he does is his whole job is as a competitor. He's talked about this before, um, and this stems from we we spoke earlier about the difference between people who are good at jujitsu and people that are good at teaching jujitsu because they're different skill sets. Um, and if you look in the past, if you wanted to make a living off of jujitsu. No matter how good of a competitor you were, you had to open up a school. You had to open up a school. You had to teach. And that's still pretty much true. Right. Um, Gordon's kind of the first example of someone whose entire livelihood is made off of being a competitor. Yes, he has his instructionals and he has his investments and everything else. But those only happen because he's successful as a competitor. Exactly. Those only happen because of that, where in the past what we saw, if you were a successful competitor, um, you had to go sell seminars and you had to travel to go teach those seminars and you had to open a school and you had to teach and that took away from your own training. And that still is the norm for the most part, even in the current day. Exactly. Like, but things are changing. Yeah. No, he's starting to change jujitsu specifically. No, gi jujitsu. Cause there's, I think without question, there's more money to be made in no gi jujitsu. Yeah, because gi jujitsu, I enjoy practicing it. It's the most boring shit to watch. Oh, Somebody gets a collar terrible. grip and you sit there for six minutes Jiu-jitsu's and then they're like, boring you want, watch, you want Did in you a- watch ADCC? <laughs> I loved ADCC. I actually I enjoyed it. it. I actually enjoyed Man, it a, a lot. I was so disappointed with ADCC. Oh, I was I fucking like, loved bro, it. this is the, especially the absolute. Bro, did you watch the absolute of the ADCC? It was a little slow. Bro, oh my God. That I was God awful, bro. That was some Jordan's real Life calls, mission. Jordan's life real mission boring for the next, matches. Uh, for the next two years is Jiu-Jitsu going to just sucks as a spectator <laughs> sport, bro. That shit will never be popular. I I, I agree. As it, it has a similar problem that wrestling has. Yeah. Right. Wrestling. If you don't know shit about wrestling, doesn't make any sense to watch. Anybody can watch football, basketball. My example is. Uh, I feel like that's because of the culture. What? Well, maybe. That's definitely because of the culture. Because I. I don't understand sports with balls. Here, it like makes me start stuttering, bro. That shit don't make no sense. Here's to me, the man. thing, though: you're running a ball around a field. You're grown men. Like, uh, when there's, all right, yeah. That, Jordan that is makes so no sense. Right I, I don't. I, hate I don't sports, understand bro. the rules. I don't understand the rules of rugby, but I can sit down and watch rugby just as an in- entertainment value. I don't right. have to understand exactly why they blow the whistle. Or, or hockey is another example. I don't know dick about hockey but i will sit down and watch a game you know especially if i'm hanging out with friends and i can get the general idea well enough but especially if you watch um jujitsu no gi or gi gi's even worse for this 
where if you don't know the intricacies of what they're doing, and to my other point about wrestling, if you don't know all the little setups and that little grip change and how it changes thing, it is fucking horrendous to watch. Right. I am fascinated watching wrestling. I'm fascinated watching no gi jujitsu. Gi jujitsu is less exciting for me. I still watch it. Um, because I think it's interesting watching specifically, like I, I mostly watch highlights of gi jujitsu, like watching a full match for me is painful. It, it It's terrible. And to your point, like I'll do gi jujitsu. Um, cause I started in the gi and you know, I have certain friends when I lived in Korea, every class I took was in the gi. Um, so I don't mind it, but I have a preference for no gi. Whereas same thing with wrestling. Like you have to know what's going on to be a spectator. Right. Like if you take your friend that's never wrestled before and try and show him a Jordan Burroughs match, like Jordan Burroughs is one of the greatest representatives for American wrestling of all time. But you watch one of those matches and most of it is boring. The action is condensed to a few seconds. Yeah. And by the way, most, most, novice people trying to watch a wrestling match they don't even know who's winning yep because at like the elite still, level nobody I gets st- pinned I so <laughs> i still i still don't know who's winning yeah, yeah. wrestling matches bro yeah especially i still don't know who's set. winning half the time in jiu-jitsu matches bro <laughs> that's what i was just gonna say is like even though like re- like yeah there is something to be being educated to in order to, to enjoy what's going on right but like i just said bro i did not enjoy watching eight bro the first day of adcc the announcer made me left for one made me, made me leave for one the first day of adcc i went there live i paid three hundred dollars for these fucking tickets was this dude. the lady with the like the pride lady bro i it's, oh, if it was a was lady I, she was tripping bro she's on crack dude I, she's like ah! I, have, I was like, what the hell is going on? She like nine packs a day. It was so Bro, weird. I, I left, it. dude. I left Ooh. the first day of ADCC. I, I thought specifically for her, um, having her announce all the competitors in a row and the country they're that from, was horrible. that was, was too much. Bad. However, for me, I loved Pride back in the day. Like when I watch old fights, Pride is my favorite organization of all time. Uh, I especially, I love their rule set and she's, you know, the old announcer from them. Everyone there's knows a, her. There's a nostalgia for you there. For, for sure. Everyone knows her as the pride lady. Right. And when she was announcing, like, the super fight, Gordon and Andre working, walking out, that's perfect for her. Just one or two guys. But when she had to rattle off, like, how many competitors did oh, we have? Really like, a hundred, a hundred plus. When she had to rattle bad. all those off, that's, too much. that was too much. Yeah, Bruce, uh, Bruce Buffer does not do... The whole fight, he comes. Yes. In, he comes in for his, you know, let's get ready to rumble, yeah, and uh, and that's it. And you know, he's not he's not there announcing the undercard. He's like but he's the hype man for the main event for for announcing all those fighters out, like that first day. And I saw a lot of people complaining about this. They should have gotten the person in the movie credits. That's generic white guy number one. It's just <laughs> yeah. like and now representing the USA. Totally, yeah. Andy Varela. Uh, Anything like that. They should have gotten that for the first day. Yes. But then to hype out individual matches, she would have been perfect for that. Yeah. Because her voice is good for that short time span. Mm-hmm. And individuals where, like, you already know their fucking name. Like, you don't actually need to hear the name. But, like, the nostalgia factor from her her uh, announcing for Pride and everything would have been enough for that. Now, uh, you know, 
ADCC, Seth Daniels, and Mo Jasm made their decision to go with her. Like, they did an amazing job with ADCC, putting it on and everything. And, uh, like, amazing show. And fun thing, Seth Daniels, who he runs Fight to Win, I competed in one of his competitions back before he was doing the professional events and got to meet him. This was probably 11 years ago when he was still doing like local tournaments all around the USA. And the tournament I competed in, Seth Daniels, if you ever hear this, I remember meeting you, uh, was the Iowa Grappling Championships. And it was in Council Bluffs, Iowa, which Council Bluffs, we call it Council Tucky. Similar to Hender Tucky. Um, so it was Great in Council place. Council Bluffs, Iowa, and this was probably about 11 years ago. And I remember talking to him back then and everything. And even that tournament back then, I remember how well he ran it and everything. I was like, man, I wish every jiu-jitsu tournament was run by this guy because he does an excellent job. Um, and then Mo obviously does an amazing job. I'm going to disagree. I fucking loved ADCC, all the matchups and everything. I liked the final matches. The finals were good. I liked the first round matches and I liked the final matches. But the in between, the mid level, the mids between the the first round of matches and the finals were kind of unimpressive to me. And the entire absolute was unimpressive to me. Jordan was just mad he wasn't there. I, I was there the second day. No, in it. I mean, Oh yeah. They well, might, I might, wasn't mad. I was. I was mad. I didn't do better at the trials. I should have yeah. done better at the trials. For, so, oh, go for it. Yeah, but but Jordan's made it clear. Like his path is continuing to teach better personal responsibility, focusing on MMA again. He wants to kill somebody in 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 a fight so he can probably get on tough. Um, I think that's clearly your path, right? Yeah. Yeah. What's yeah, your yeah. path for jujitsu? Just for life, man. Man. Um, Besides knocking out twelve kids, which I I pity your poor girlfriend, uh, fiance. So, for me, the the path that I see in my mind is I want to open a jujitsu school down the line. Like I love teaching jujitsu; it's what I enjoy doing. Like I mentioned earlier, um, I have cultivated skill sets. I could go work in numerous industries and make a living doing a lot of other things. Like I said, I could go walk back into my union job tomorrow, make more money than I do doing jujitsu and work less hours. Um, but I don't love doing it. Like it's just a job. Whereas for me with jujitsu, if I can open a school and have fuck a half the impact for people that train with me that jujitsu's had on my life, on their life even if it's, like, one person, man, like, that would be worth it to me. Like, that's what I want to do because, I honestly, like, everything in my life, like, I met my fiancé because of jujitsu, and actually indirectly because of Casey. Um, that's a fun story as well. But I just want Can every... you, like, 10th Planet Cabo? Because there's no good jujitsu in Cabo oh, when I go down there to dude, visit. Dude, in a heartbeat. Like, I've, <clears throat> I've talked to some... Fr- when I was living on Jeju Island... I had some friends that offered me, they're like, oh, we'll sponsor your visa. We'll open the school. You just be the instructor. And I was like, I don't want to fucking learn Korean and I don't want to live on this island that long. Like I'm a year and a half was the perfect amount of time for me to live on that island. But after that, I was like, I'm ready to get the fuck out of Korea. It didn't help. It was during during COVID. We had moved to Jeju so we could travel around Asia cheap, like flights to Thailand round trip. You get them for like 20 bucks. That's why we had moved there. 
uh, to see all of Asia, and then COVID shut all that shit down. Um, the worst. It's the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, so, fuck, I'd move to Cabo. I'd move. I'll live pretty much anywhere, man. Like, I fucking grew up right near my house were just cornfields, and now that cornfield's replaced by a Walmart, and I fucking hate that because I preferred it when it was the cornfields. Um, you know, and we were close enough to a big city. I could go in, see concerts, go to good restaurants, whatever. Um, I don't want to move back to the cornfields so much, but uh, I, I don't love big cities. Vegas kind of fits that mold for me. Vegas is not a place I'm going to live long term. I, I let everybody know this. It's good for now. I love Vegas for living in it for now, but it's not where I want to live the rest of my life. But fuck, Cabo? Hell yeah. I'm down. Let's go. Scott, Ten point fucking Cabo. book the flight tomorrow. Let's go. Um, Cabo. Mexico? See, Spanish is a language I would actually invest time in learning. When I lived in Korea and people were like, oh, are you going to learn Korean? I'm like, no. Probably wouldn't even need to in Cabo. Yeah, yeah. Cabo is like ninety percent Americans. <laughs> Boom. Like you could basically just cater to all the Americans who do jujitsu, who Done. like have them pay in advance, so when they're too hungover and they don't show up for a class, you still get their money. But um, yeah, you could probably you could probably just get a bunch of expats training there. But uh, to your earlier question, like for me, I want to run my own jujitsu gym in the future, uh, raise some kids, and just fucking have my life be about jujitsu as it's been now like that's the coolest thing to me um like i said all the cool things i have in my life most of what i've gotten to do i met my fiance because of jujitsu and it's given me so much uh even though i'm not a competitor like high level or anything like that just all the benefits it's giving me mentally, physically, all the relationships I have in my life, like what it's given me, if I can give that to other people, that's what I want to give. That's that's the gift I want to give to the world rather than go work a different job. Like I said, I mentioned I used to work for Yahoo. Like I worked for this trade union. Like I've done a lot of different jobs. And not to toot my own horn, but toot toot, I'm pretty fucking good at everything I do. So <laughs> And this like, is what you want to do. And, and this is what I want to do. Like, this is what I want to do. Again, I could go do other jobs and make more money and work less, but I don't want to do that. I don't blame you. Jordan, I always like to end with these two questions, man. Um, one thing that you're most looking forward to in the next six months, and I, I think I got a pretty good idea what that is, but what are you like, what's in focus for you that you're most looking forward to in the next six months? And then what's your favorite movie? I feel like I learn a lot about people with their favorite movie. <sighs> Um, what am I looking forward to in the next six months? Um, man, um, definitely, hopefully a next MMA fight, you know, hopefully definitely I'll have another MMA fight within the next six months. That's probably one of the bigger things that I'm looking forward to, but without having an actual locked in date and like anything concretely planned out, um, I have battle grappling and Bellingham, Washington, um, October 15th. Going out there and I'm gonna fuck some dude up, some Drysdale black belt. I've rolled with him before. Fucking asshole does the scorpion rib crush. Nice guy, nice guy. Oh. Fucking asshole on the mat. That guy's Zach. <laughs> I know that guy. I'm gonna yeah, kill yeah. that guy, bro. I'm Good. gonna fuck that guy up. Guy idiot. He hurt Casey with the scorpion rib crush one day. I'm gonna really fuck that guy up. And they're gonna pay me a little bit of money. Hopefully, um, book me for a seminar out in Bellingham. Um, and 
over at Ronin Jiu-Jitsu with Rafael Domingos. Supposedly, it was supposed to be October 1st, but Hafi's a Brazilian stoner, so who knows when this thing's going to formulate. But um, there's a tournament going on, 16-man black belt division for $5,000 that he said that I'm he's going to invite me to. So whenever that thing is actually comes about, I'm really excited about that because I'm feeling good. I, I could use some money. And uh, my favorite movie... You know, that's a hard one, man. Um, but it's got to be, like, a tie. No. Actually, no. What am I talking about? I know what my favorite movie is. I don't know. I just remembered. I don't know why I forgot for a second. Django. Django is really? my favorite movie, for sure. Django Unchained. A Django Unchained, bro. It's great got one. comedy. It's got a great story. It's got great action. It's got drama. It's got great actors. It's the best. It has the be- It has everything. It's a great action movie, great drama, great comedy. Right, it has everything. It has some of the funniest parts I've ever seen in a movie. And they're not even like intentionally funny, I don't think. It's just how Quentin Tarantino edits and like, I mean, d- like directs things. Like when he walks up into the bar and then it zooms up on the guy's face real, real close and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, <laughs> you can't come in here. Get that out of here. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh my, bro, I almost tear up every single time I see that in a movie. It's just. It's just an excellent movie, man. Yeah. Quentin second Tarantino. close is Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder is a second Thunder's close. So I don't even know you can make that movie today. Oh, dude, you can't. Yeah, there are people so have pussies. Many, so many Ariel's black, lines. bro. I you know. You can make white people black, but you, people would lose their mind. Lose bro. their mind over Robert Downey Jr. playing a black If you did that, you did that again, bro, you can make like a white animation character into an actual black person, but you can't cast a white person as a black person. You, dude, People would movie, freak out, bro. It, it, the, the fucking whole booty sweat line oh, when he's like... Like trying to hide that he's gay, and he's like, "No, no, man, I like, I like, I like the pussy, and I like the titties." But I, man, those sweaty buttholes. Right. It's like it's, <laughs> two the controversial whole movies are my favorite movies: yeah. Django and Tropic Thunder. Two not, very controversial movies. That's, not shocking. Those not are my shocking. two favorite favorite. What about you, Patrick? What's in focus the next six months, man? What are you looking forward to? And then favorite movie, man. Uh, the next six months. What am I most excited about? Or what's in focus? For me, it's just dialing in my craft more for teaching jujitsu. I'm I'm constantly trying to get better at that. Um, so that's what I'm most excited about. I would say, you know, our my wedding, but like we don't even know if it's going to be in the next six months or in a year or whatever. Um, I was just finally to happy to finally give her the ring. I'd been holding on to that thing for fucking nine months. Damn, like, dude. trying to find the right time and the right place and Fuck. everything. Um, <laughs> These bugs are, like, all <laughs> over Jordan. Oh, they haven't touched me once. Bro. Toughest. Oh, it's because we're smoking. right into my face, <laughs> Yeah, t- toughest guy in the room, and he's fucking terrified of a little grasshopper. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> literally flying into my cheeks. So, <laughs> yeah, that that's what excites me over the next six months. Like, I don't have any one singular event I'm thinking of, like, Oh, that's the thing I'm looking forward to. For me, it's just I enjoy every day. Like I fucking love what I do. Um, so I'm just happy every day. You know, might get to do a couple cool trips here and there that will be awesome. Cabo. Cabo. I'm I will get on a flight today. <laughs> like to go to Cabo. Like me and Jen, my fiance, we need no convincing. You're like, you want to go international? Like my bag's packed. Like I can leave. Um, I'm always down. I love traveling. Like, I'll teach your classes. 
<laughs> I, I never... Dude, tri- do you know how cheap you can live in Mexico? Like pretty cheap, dirt yeah. fucking cheap. So anyway, I so, so that forty grand that jujitsu will learn you that that's that's a upper middle class living down there. Boom, yeah. done. That's, forty grand already. I consider myself upper middle class. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm in good. Kentucky. I don't even make that right now, bro. Fuck. I wish I'm I made that. Kentucky. God damn it. I'm starting my OnlyFans so I can live in Cabo until the jujitsu. I have takes Instagram off. subscriptions. Subscribe to Jordan Wears No Gi nine ninety nine a month for your for your um, jujitsu techniques. I have the Bunny Choke one hundred one. Right. By the way, shameless I, plug. I think you're ahead of the curve because anybody who has tutorials, great. You sell a 59 tutorial and that's it. It's like it's like playing a tennis match where somebody hits you the ball and you catch it. But fucking subscription, that's where the money's at. So, yeah. if you can if you can just keep putting up good content and get subscribers, like forget the 59.99 tutorial that anybody sells. If you can get reoccurring revenue with 9 bucks a month for subscribers, that's where the dollars are at, bro. I yeah. was gonna say I'm a fucking dinosaur. I'm working on writing like an ebook essentially right now. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I'm a dinosaur. Uh, I don't film anything. I get told by all my photographer friends that I take dog shit photos. And I can confirm. Yeah, I do not take good photos. Someone thought that getting me an iPhone would fix that. It did not because I used to be Team Android forever. Uh, and then favorite movie. This is always a difficult one for me, so I'm going to be like Jordan, and I'll probably give two, most likely. Uh, Probably my favorite movie, if you're going to ask me on the spot, gun to my head right now, it's a movie called Fearless. With Jet Li. I don't know if you ever oh, saw it. Dude, that's OG movie. You know that one? I was like, there's movie. no way he's talking about with Jet Li. I was like, it's so, so good. I I <laughs> love... Beautiful. I absolutely love that movie. And I'm, I'm one of those people, like, if I watch films in a different language, I can't watch it dubbed over. I have to watch it in the original language or else it fucks with my brain too much. And I'll read subtitles. I don't mind. I... I wasn't allowed to watch much TV as a kid anyway, so I read a lot. My grandfather was a librarian, so I don't mind reading. Um, so probably Fearless, I would say, is my favorite movie of all time. And secondary favorite, I would have to say Anchorman when it first came out. Beautiful oh, that movie. Fuck, it's so Hilarious. fucking funny. It's so funny. so funny, and it's still funny. Like, I watched it fairly recently. Well, they don't make movies like that no and, more, bro. And, like... There's some of those movies you watch that they like were really funny when you remember them, but then you rewatch them and it's like, eh, Even funnier. It's, it's not that great. Still funny. Like, uh, Anchorman's still funny. Like, an example of that, I remembered vividly loving the Austin Powers movies when I was younger. I tried to rewatch one recently and I was like, painful. <sighs> I was like, I don't. I, I fortunately I only watched one of them, so I still have fond memories of the other ones. I can right. be like, all right, I used to watch these with my little brother, and they were funny, and we had a good time. And I haven't tarnished the memory of those, but like Anchorman still fucking holds up. Anchorman yeah. is still excellent. And then yeah, so I I'm gonna steal from Jordan. I'm doing two movies. Fuck your question. I'm doing two movies, not one. Uh, Fearless and Anchorman are oh, probably my man. two. F- so I, I thought uh, the great outdoors and a bunch of these John Candy, Dan Aykroyd movies were hilarious when I was a kid. And same thing. I tried to watch them as an adult and they just don't hold up like the <laughs> 80s kind of slapstick does not hold up. But conversely, 
just the other day, I saw, uh, like, I don't know, something recommended, Hulu, Netflix, whatever, recommended Tommy Boy, and I watched it. Oh, fuck, it's Fucking so laughed my ass off, bro. It's so funny. That movie just Tommy still. Tommy Boy? Tommy Boy with Chris Farley. I've never oh, seen you have Oh, to my watch God. It. It's, I'm it's not a big Chris funny. Farley fan from I what i I know, I've seen, but though. this is good stuff, man. Like, it's. It's it's pretty hilarious. Like the physical comedy plus like the one liners and him and David Spade are just like <laughs> such yin and yang. It's it's like a buddy cop comedy, but you know, they're like salesmen and it's 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 pretty hilarious. So worth a watch. What are, I, your, what are your thoughts on Napoleon Dynamite? Hit or miss? I, I'm agnostic about it. Like I've seen it. I thought it was funny. But I'm not like a I'm not like a super fan. Like so that's, go, that's probably my third favorite. That's third favorite. Really, I'll never go rewatch that movie. I think I watched it twice. One of the best movies ever created. The, what, the first time it was funny, and the second time I was like, I know everything already. It's like, art. It's art. It's yeah. art. It's art. It yeah. is. It's I, one of the best. I, it's literally one of the maybe, best movies made. Maybe of all I'll time. have to give it a try again. But overall, that was one of the movies I, I felt the same way. I was like, I don't want to tarnish the memory I have of enjoying my first time watching it. Yeah. By rewatching it and ruining it for me. What's the so. most disturbing movie you ever watched? Oh, I got one. Oh. Like, <laughs> so when when I was in. I will preface this with I don't really like scary movies because yeah, in my mind, life is terrifying enough. Fuck yeah. I don't, I don't need to be scared in, by it. In my relaxing time, I don't need to watch things that make me more scared. However, my fiance, she likes scary movies and we were hanging out with some good friends of ours. He was actually the owner of one of the jujitsu schools I taught at in Korea and his wife, she's Australian. They're really great friends of ours. Um, we went over to watch a scary movie with them and I think it's on Netflix now or Amazon prime. One of the two, cause we were scrolling through and we saw it the other day and we're like, holy shit, they have this. It's called like gang gym asylum or something like that. It's Aren't you on that Island. No, 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 no. Cause the, where <laughs> the movie takes place is on mainland Korea. Um, already sounds horrible. Asylum. It fucking terrifying because this movie is kind of like do you watch Blair Witch Project? Yeah. Same the found footage type set. Yeah. That shit fucks with me. Uh the found fuck footage. Yeah. Even though I know it's fake, I'm like, fuck, that looks real enough. I can't like, I can't do it. Well on that note, um, <laughs> I'll, see, I'll see you guys. I'll see you guys oh at jujitsu. Oh my god. Holy shit. Jump scares. Jump scares. I'll see you guys at jujitsu at six in the morning. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> all right. Thanks for being all man. Hey.